0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome in to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Emma Holmes is on fire! Here's the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens.
1: If this were Stranger Things, I'd be on top of the radio station, shredding the guitar, keeping the bat demons away from you, Pete, because you are a very important person to
2: the city of Kansas City. You know, I appreciate you yeah. saying that. and I hope that's the case
1: in the upside down. Which is city ironic well. because the guy that gets saved is Dustin, and now Dustin is doing the saving. Yeah,
2: spoiler alert.
1: Hey, we, should we not? Yeah. All I have to Look say, up. Wednesday. It's uh it's another week of Chiefs football. and it's a little bit different of a week for Chiefs football, right? Like first up loaded show tonight. Ron Cobb Jr., lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride and uh Chiefs insider, Matt
2: McMullen Uh joined the show a little bit the, later as well. The goat Chiefs reporter, and I'm allowed I'm allowed to say that because your predecessor, is that how I say I, that? I was a Chiefs reporter, so yeah. I you know, there's only a few of us and I think Gosh, Matt is You were such a, a nerd, goat, the goat. Then. The goat right? This is like
1: pre bearded Pete. Yeah.
2: No black rimmed glasses. No, no. This was you were a pure nerd. I did go through a long hair phase as oh, well. That it was so funny. Nick reminded You parted of folks. down the middle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Made a couple decisions oh, back then. Man. Sure. Sure.
1: Let's see. What year was that? That was the mm. that was Marcus Peters on the anyways. Um Pete Sweeney, chief editor of Arrowhead Pride. There we go. One of the best looking writers in Kansas City mm. with Average Thank uh radio host Dusty
2: Likens, Grant Nicholson, with you <laughs> here tonight. I'm a humble man. No, it's 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 nice of you to say that all about about me, and yeah. then to disparage yourself a moment later. Well, I mean,
1: I don't know what else I would yeah. talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying
2: to gloat. It's not. Right. It's not the Dusty Likens pride show. Happy week eleven, though, right? We've um, we've made it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think. Well, okay. So this is what's different for me. Okay. Because, and then we'll get into the lead topic of today, which I think is. Kind of a cluster of of whatever, but mm. so eight straight conference titles seems very outlierish, I guess, because it's never been done, and I don't know what the more outrageous stat is: eight consecutive division wins, which would, they would have. Not technically, but if it it would basically be eight win, eight right. straight conference wins that they win Sunday night, or the fact that it's week eleven and the conference is over.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> I don't
1: know where to go. <laughs> what
2: What was really interesting too is our deputy editor at Arrowhead Pride did some research with the New York Times playoff calculator. And if the Chiefs were to win against the Chargers on Sunday night, they would have a 97% (laughs) chance of winning the division heading into week 12 of 18 weeks already having played their bye. (laughs) That's how good the Chiefs have played this year. I know there have been some mishaps, some tough games, yada, yada. And that's how bad the division has been. So you're getting it from both angles, which is equated to, yeah, I mean, it's real. Week 11, if you win on Sunday night, you could basically call the division over.
1: Would also be the third consecutive primetime game against the Chargers in which the Chiefs mm-hmm. would have won all three.
2: Right, right. We had the the Kelsey game in L.A. The walk-off. Last year. Right. He he said he called game. I mean, he's a man of his word. He did a dance in Hollywood. Yeah, he did the Dan Sorensen, didn't he? Didn't he do the, mm-hmm. the little shimmy into the end zone back mm-hmm. then? That was a nice comeback, too. Yeah, the Chiefs have really had the Chargers number, really the whole division, which is why they've yeah. they've been able to do what they've they've done. So
1: there's that, which is control of the AFC West, which is obviously box to check number one, win your division. I don't know if like Andy Reid has these levels in his office, but I would assume that like get the first. I'm sure he's as humble as get win number one, right? Win division, get at least a top yeah. two seed. He's more of a week by week guy, but, yeah.
2: But you do have these bigger goals, what right? A so day guy. W- win the division, yeah. But yeah, probably more of an hour to hour, yeah. Minute by minute, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, what I, what I would tell you is, yeah, yeah I, you win a division, <clears throat> and then you shor- sort of shift your attention. What's been the reality for Kansas City, which is wild to say, is that you can almost assume the division nowadays. And so you do have one eye on the rest of the conference and the conference foes, which is why it was so exciting last week when all of a sudden the Minnesota Vikings were able to pull, pull it off in Buffalo. And now you have a situation where you're looking at the second half of the schedule. And I told C dot this earlier, the the game that really sticks out like a sore thumb is in Cincinnati. And again, the Bengals haven't been as great as last year, but to me that feels like it's going to be the toughest game. The rest of the schedule Again, not trying to jinx anything because you got right. division games, yada yada. But it's winnable. It is. It's a very winnable schedule, and now you got the Bills reeling with a lot of pressure to stay perfect. Because if they don't, they're not going to have a chance to get that by. And so, yeah, I think step one is wrapping up the division more or less on Sunday. Not exact, but it's going to be really tough for any team right. to crawl back in. And then it's focusing on just running the table because if you run the table right now, you have the control. You'll get that AFC bye.
1: So that's where we kind of shift gears into the next part real quick before we get into the injury report. But that is the Chiefs obviously have parked the car in the garage for the AFC West. If they, are they now officially the only car in the fast lane when it comes to the rest of the AFC?
2: Well, there are... like I, Who scares you more, Dolphins or Bills? Honestly, right this moment, it's the Miami Dolphins. I understand that the Buffalo Bills just beat the Chiefs a, a few weeks ago. Sure. But the Chiefs are playing better football than they were a few weeks ago. And I just look at the teams that I think could stay uh, up with them offensively. And, of course, and we're about to get into the injury report, you have to stay healthy. So I'm talking about a healthy Chiefs offense in the playoffs, which is what you, yeah. you're hopeful about and what you kind of assume. And I just think Miami is better built to stay in what would be a shootout, go blow for blow with the Chiefs, even though the Bills were able to defeat them. I don't know how I'm coming to that rhyme or reason. I just have watched the Dolphins and I've watched the Bills recently, and it seems like the Bills are sort of in quicksand on an uphill battle themselves, whereas Miami is rolling. It just feels like they're in a better space right now. And so wild to say, but yeah, I I think I would rather see Buffalo right this moment than Miami. Now, you know, by the time we get to January and February, that might be a different story.
1: It needed to be said. Great, let's get into the It's a new week in the Whoa. NFL, which means it's time to take a look
0: at the new injury report for the Chiefs.
1: Trevor Lawrence over there hitting the mm. hitting that button right when we're the last week we're, Sunshine. We're, we're ready to go. Yeah, he could be sunshine too. Yeah. Uh okay. Week eleven. Man. Not good. This is a tough one. Not good. This is a brutal injury report. Go ahead, you were there
2: yeah well we knew about juju smith schuster if anyone watched that game i think you could assume that juju was not going to be practicing on wednesday so he's in the concussion protocol out as is cornerback chris lemans special teamer extraordinaire for the chiefs i think we were hopeful that McCole hardman would be back in practice but we learned a little bit more today that he has an illness to his abdomen not as much clarity on on that front but he was out for his fourth straight practice in a row And then you had Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was out with an illness himself. And so a lot of your receivers, who you have have relied on for a while now, were out of practice. And to me, the biggest story, stemming from the injury report, is just the idea that at practice today, your top receivers were Justin Watson, Uh Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney. Don't tell me that. And up from the practice squad, Marcus Kemp. Let's ride. Wow. And so... Kind of matching the Chargers in that sense where it's a little bit of a mystery as to whether Keenan Allen or Mike Williams ends up playing in this game. But could be an interesting matchup where it is Herbert versus Mahomes but which with a very, I guess you would say, less cast of characters than we're used to for both teams. Why?
1: So what's the most concerning? Hardman or Juju Smith-Schuster? Because Hardman, it's two weeks now. Juju, right. we all kind of figured probably wasn't going to play.
2: If I'm guessing right now, and again, with concussions, it's just a guess. I don't think Juju, just based upon what it looked like Sunday, is going to play. So
1: let's do percentages. McCall Hardman.
2: I think he's low, too. I'll give him like a 20-ish to 30%. That's just my feel on it right now.
1: Juju Smith-Schuster, percentage. I think
2: it's like 10. Jeez. MBS. I think he'll play. I think he's like a 90. McKinnon, who was limited with a hamstring shoulder, he'll play and LeJarius Sneed limited with a knee. Both of these were happening with McKinnon and Sneed last week. So okay. I'm confident that though.
1: So this is almost like a veterans type of rest.
2: I just think being being careful, if, if you have injuries that are a little tender and it's for two weeks in a row, might as well sit them to start the week. I tend to think they'll get full practices before the week is up. Is Hartman gonna get Wally
1: Pipps? Because you teased it last week that it could happen. Yeah. Now it's two weeks in a row, and we're getting into Darius Tony a little bit later because we got Ron Cop Jr. coming up the lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. But is this is this
2: something to kind of kind of worry about? He definitely is, and it isn't really something that we're like. Oh, you, you hear me say, who he definitely is." Yeah, it isn't as much to do with his performance than the contract status, right? Like I think we all have comments now that Tony can fill in for Hardman, even through this quick look, mm-hmm. he's fit in really nicely in Kansas City. They love him. The offense has come to him really quickly, quicker than anyone I've ever seen with Andy Reid, which is wild to say. And the Chiefs have three to four years of team control. Hardman's contract is up. If you have a player that it can do everything that player X does and maybe more, you know I think the writing is on the wall, especially because the wide receiver market exploded last year. So I don't think we've seen the last of a good Hardman game in Kansas City. Yeah. But Tony will be here next year, and you know I don't think Hardman will.
1: Speaking of the writing on the wall, the writing on the website, lead analyst Ron Kopp Jr. will join the show next here on Arrowhead Pride Radio and 610 Sports Radio.
0: You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. That's his entrance music.
1: RKJ with the RKO. Out of nowhere, which is not true because every Wednesday night at 615, you can hear his voice, lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. I got
3: him up in time. That's right. Yeah, that's what she said, uh, Ron. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, man, I'm vibing to this music. I, I like it. I'm am down with it. I, I, I could get used to this for sure. Sometimes, What's up, guys.
1: Sometimes our producer Grant comes in with a little pep in his step, yeah. and I think when he when he when he knew you were coming on, he was like, you know what? This is what he needs tonight. Like yeah, no, I, I, I got
3: it. My head's bobbing a little bit. We're, we're ready. We're, we're pumped. We're this, ready. This it seemed like there
2: were, like, springs under Grant's shoes as he bopped in today. Oh, he, man, he's just he's on the par like. surprised leg. his head didn't hit the Ron, ceiling.
1: Uh last week, another win, 10-point win, 27-17 over Jacksonville. One of the things that stuck out to me was zero sacks on number 15. How is the offensive line starting to kind of get into this groove moving forward on this season?
3: Right. It's something that Patrick Mahomes talked about after the game. The offensive line, you know, with training camp rules, sometimes it, it takes a little bit for them to really gel as a unit, especially with him. And, man, it has it been noticeable, especially in pass protection. The last two games, now, you look at the Titans game and you see five sacks and you're like, okay, well, it couldn't have been a good pass protection game. Well, no, honestly, 78 dropbacks, you're going to get some sacks. And I think a lot of times, too, taking the sack might've been the smart play instead of, you know, forcing a ball or trying to do something crazy. Um, you know, and we, and I talked about that last week with you guys this week was just another level, um, because you know, no sacks obviously. And, And honestly there was really never even a collapsed pocket. You know, there were times where, yeah, a little bit of pressure forced Mahomes to flush out and he did a great job scrambling as he has the last two weeks. He's really, you know, made that a key part of his, uh, of his performances the last couple of games. But you know, it, the offensive line is really just keeping him, you know, even if they are losing, they're staying in front of their guys, right? You know, Tooney, there's a couple times, yeah, he lost some ground, but he's staying in front of him. and The guy never even touches Mahomes, and, and Mahomes skates past and, and gets a first down. So it has been very impressive. It's the offensive line performance for sure. They are playing well, but I really think just the marriage between them and Mahomes helping mm-hmm. them out, you know, you know, having good pocket management, not getting too deep in his drops, you know, checking down, you know, in, in good time, not holding the ball too long when he doesn't need to. He has really been making it easier on the pass protection. So the two combined, man, it's just been looking really good. They're gelling really good uh, right now.
2: Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio, talking with our lead analyst, Ron Kopp. Ron, your review this week for Arrowhead Pride had to do with the offensive line, but you really liked what they were able to do in establishing the run game. As you worked through this review, as you composed it for ArrowheadPride.com, what was the big thing that you learned?
3: The big thing really was I think Isaiah Pacheco not only just the statistics it's not just looking at the yards he gained and saying it's the best game of his career so far it was it was very noticeable that he just looked so much confident in the way he was running the ball so much more comfortable you know understanding how to run these zone run plays that they that they run so many times and it really can't be made or broken by a running back you know uh, just just kind of being lazy with his cuts maybe or just running to a hole and and really not wondering you know or worried about you know where defenders are or manipulating right. anybody that's what he was doing and and the first couple big runs he had you know after the fumble yeah. obviously which it was great to see him you know recover from the fumble and still play confident after that you see that he's he's setting up linebackers in, in the hole he's setting up he's setting up linebackers to think he's going one gap and then cutting fast to the outside and going the other way and, and what he does when, he do, when, when that happens is he's helping a guy like center Creed Humphrey get leverage on that guy and get a body on him. If he would have just ran straight, the guy would have just had, you know, an angle to him and would have never hesitated. Making that linebacker hesitate helps your offensive linemen. And that's where this year sometimes it feels like the running backs haven't helped them a lot. It felt like this game, Pacheco really maximized what he was getting a couple times. Again, he made a guy miss, uh, you know, or not be even in the play for the tackle because of how he attacked the hole, how he hesitated maybe at first and out of speed cut to the outside, broke some tackles too in the open field. It was really impressive, and, and I think you saw exactly why they wanted to get him the, the majority of the reps, is because he does seem to be the guy out of the group that can maximize those run plays uh, the most of, with the way he runs.
1: Ron, that's think- a most creative thing that we saw with the running back was a lot of people, I'm sure you get this a lot too, of like your friend circle text you and ask you questions about things that happened in mid-game that are very almost impossible to respond to. Mm. But it's like when and I'm sure you get it too, Pete, but like where Pacheco fumbles and everyone thinks, oh, he's probably riding the pine the rest of the game. And that seemed like one of those situations that it actually played out the way it was where Andy Reid gives you the opportunity immediately afterwards to see how you're gonna react to that. My thing for you is it seemed like Clyde Edwards-Elair was kind of taken out of the game plan on Sunday. Do you think the two-headed combo, because nobody watches more Chiefs football than you, do you think the two combo right now moving forward that makes this team the most successful with the run game is
3: Pacheco and McKinnon? Well, in the run game specifically, they just want to get Pacheco, and this is something the enemy talked about last week, is is the amount of, of, of runs they run, and, and he said, we need to run more, and I actually disagree with, disagreed with it, you know, on, on the surface, but... You know, maybe when you think about it, maybe you look into it a little more, maybe he was referring to a certain player has to get the ball more, not mm-hmm. just maybe run more, but just get a certain guy the ball more, and then Pacheco gets 16 out of the 17 carries. I think that's where in the run game you may see them start to lean on just one guy a lot more, and, and, it, and it should be Pacheco because he is maximizing the runs the, the as much as possible. McKinnon's getting involved because of how good he is on pass downs. I mean, Clyde is a good receiver, but – Something you know, it, it, it's it's so much more valuable at times to have a guy like McKinnon who can pick up a stunning defensive end in the B gap and completely stifle him and, and allow Mahomes the time to to get a throw. I mean, that's what's earning McKinnon the snaps on those pass downs. And then again in the run game, I think the enemy was kind of hitting at it, but they just need one guy to kind of take over and, and take the vast majority of the reps. And that's what happened. You heard Andy Reid today, maybe uh you know, maybe make the excuse with Clyde, like, look, it just the game script didn't go his way, but. It really does seem like they understand that the, the run game is a, a limited part of their offense. Anyway, they need to maximize those opportunities. And, you know, Pacheco just, has just earned that right to, to be the guy to, to help maximize those. He really, he really is maximizing them more than Clyde and it just leaves Clyde kind of in no man's land right now. It is kind of a weird situation.
2: No doubt. I think that Pacheco is, is certainly seeming like the best North and South runner on this team. We've been saying it for a while that our had pride in, Look, Clyde is a good player, and and he can provide good depth, and I think that's where I agree with you. Ron, now, we're going to look forward to Sunday night to close here. I know that you're working on your opponent, scout for hourheadpridecom The biggest story out of today was just the amount of wide receivers out of practice, names like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman. Now, we know that it's more likely that MVS plays in this game, less likely that Hardman and Smith-Schuster play, What's your confidence level in Kadarius Tony and Justin Watson, and even perhaps rookie Skymore?
3: Yeah, you know the the interesting thing about Tony and and his you know quick start to the to the his Chiefs career is you know outside of the plays he has gotten Mahomes to give him the ball or even just the jet sweeps, there's there's a good amount of times you see Mahomes is just trying to go to him anyway, and 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 maybe he's not open and, and he'll go to a second or third read, but. Man, in, in these last, in these first couple games, there have been a lot of times Tony seems to be the primary read for Mahomes. Maybe it's not by design, but Mahomes wants to go there first. It, it, it's been a couple times I noticed right off the bat, and especially in this Jaguars game, and so that makes me think he feels good about what they have in Tony. And you know, we saw that Sky Moore was someone they forced the ball to. You know, at times, you know, to kind of try to get him going. Maybe in the you know in the a few weeks ago, you know, about a month ago in the season. And it didn't really, you know, turn into to much. It didn't, you know, the, the force of the issue didn't turn into much production. Well, forcing the issue to Tony is, you know, in, in a very small sample size, obviously, it turned into great production. I mean, his, yeah. his game against the Jaguars was was amazing. So, I I do think, it seems like Mahomes has confidence in Tony, and that's obviously the most important thing. And so, yeah, I think Tony, I, I, if he's ready to take a big workload, I don't see why not load him up. He does a lot of the things that Juju, you know, has been exceeding at lately, the the short stuff, you know, catching on the run, you know, getting yak. He can do that stuff. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see Tony in a, in a, you know, in a, in a bigger role, and, and I'm excited to see if they really trust him in it. And, and you know, if, if Sky eats into that at all, I, it would be nice to see Sky get get some sort of love at, at some point.
1: Speaking of some sort of love, it's time to give you some love, Ron Cop. What do you want to let the people know about what they can find and where they can find it this week?
3: Well, you know, actually today I just wrote up a, uh, a, a piece I actually enjoyed writing because, you know, it is, it is pretty crazy that the Chiefs are, are looking at the number one you know, seed in the AFC at the, at the current moment and, and the lead they had in the division. And you just think back to the offseason, you know, how, how impossible that felt if you ask national media members or if you ask, you know, a, a lot of, you know, non-Chiefs fans. Obviously, Chiefs fans were confident. I think we all were. But it is amazing. And, and, and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid talked about that today, the, the departure of Tyree and kind of playing without him. So, wrote that up. But also, yeah, check out the opponent scout coming up. Five things to watch as well. AP Filmer on the YouTube page, me and Nate Christensen broke down the Jags game, and that, and that is now up. So, yeah, just just keep it locked on to ArrowheadPride.com.
1: Ron, you're a sweetheart. We'll talk to you next week at about
3: 6.15. Yes, sir. Appreciate you
1: guys. He's a sweetheart. Sweetheart. He's wicked sweet. He's very sweet. You got a little bit of his blood in your system. become an immediate diabetic. He's that sweet. I mean, I don't don't know if he's that sweet. You think he's that sweet? Pretty sweet. sweet. All right. Pretty nice guy. Pretty nice guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Coming up next, another nice guy. Matt McMullen, Chiefs Insider, will join us next year on the Arrowhead Pride Radio Show on 610 Sports Radio.
0: You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. All right, I'm going to turn my microphone on real quick.
2: Wasn't
1: already on. Yeah. No? All right. I kind of like that. I like the peak bottle can be that we know. Yeah. So jokes on you, text line. We just wanted to see if you stayed in on the commercial right. break. That, that's why. Gotcha. That's why yeah. that
2: happened for sure.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride Radio Show. Thanks to Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. Uh, five biggest, five biggest storylines coming coming up here in a couple days on Arrowhead Pride. Good stuff to read. Get you set up for the weekend. Now we're joined in studio by our guest, Matt McMullen, uh, Chiefs Insider. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Or I guess this evening. It is 630
4: now. Yeah, it's dark outside.
1: Yeah. yeah it's well, it's have been time. dark since 3 o'clock.
4: That's yeah, true. But I'm doing great. You know, when Pete Sweeney calls, he's like, you can just do this on the oh phone if you want. I'm like, God. man, I'm coming in studio. So I'll We used to work
2: together back in the day, as you know. And Predecessor, successor. Right. Matt, yeah. Matt has succeeded. And I mean, I, I've said it a million times and I have. I have ability to say this as a former Chiefs reporter. No one has done it better. No one has done the gig better than Matt. So awesome to have him nice. in his Too debut kind, appearance sir. here Too on AP starts. Radio. You know, yeah. you know, you know. This is Pete is
1: proof that like you're just gonna get better looking the yeah. longer you do this job. If mm-hmm. only I'm so lucky because Pete's gone full Gordon Hayward when it comes to this sure. like this gig because he used to. I mean, it was
2: sad. Look, he, middle he, part. There are two ways to age. No you, gel. You can age like a fine wine. Yeah. You can yeah. age like milk. I think yeah. I'm milk. You might be the latter. I'm close to cottage that's cheese, possible. as I am
1: to a conundrum. You yeah, didn't yeah, choose radio. Yeah. That's fair.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you yeah. don't do any real TV appearances. But I'll, t- I'll tell you this. You can't see the sweater TV tonight. Appearances. <laughs> you can't see a sweater tonight, but it, it's a nice it's a thermal. fall sweater. Thank sweater, you. Yeah, it looks Appreciate good.
1: It. High fashion. Purple. Uh, Matt, anyways, welcome to the show. Yeah. Glad to have you. Um, this week was rough, man. This is uh, We always tell people in this uh Week by week, it's it's not how good you are when it gets to week 16, 17, 18 in playoffs. It's how healthy you are. And this is by far the most beat up the Chiefs have been. And it seems that it's in one specific area. So loaded question, two parts. How concerned are you with the injuries of the receivers this week? And then also, what does it mean for Kadarius Tony?
4: Well, overall, I wouldn't say I'm that concerned, if I'm being honest, because it's probably the deepest spot on the Chiefs roster right now. And there was seven receivers active just a few weeks ago, and all of these guys are capable of making plays. When you have a team that 10 different players have caught a touchdown this season, that's the most in the NFL, and 13 is the NFL record, and we've got eight games to go here. I think they have a good shot at the record. Uh, it's it's going to be next man up, and that's normally coach speak, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have numerous guys who can step in and make plays, uh, like we saw um, with Kadarius Toney um, on Sunday, I think you feel pretty good about it. Tony overall, I think there was – understandable questions about how much of an impact can he have early on because Mm. you have to learn coach read system and everything and learn the playbook. It's not like Madden, but for him to come in and show off a diverse skill set on a Sunday was the most exciting thing for me because I think we knew he had like the jet sweep kind of stuff in him. And he was really good at that. He had multiple rushes. I think he had like 33 rushing yards in the game, but for me, my favorite play of the game for him wasn't his touchdown. It was the deep pass down the sideline uh, in double coverage, where Mahomes mm-hmm. just threw it up and gave him a chance, <laughs> and he went up and got it. His vertical was like four feet on that, it seemed like. he's adjusting his gloves as he was looking for the ball. That's in the sun. disgusting. <laughs> and for him to catch that, that showed me that he has some juice to him, that he's not just going to be a jet sweep kind of guy early on in his Chiefs career. He can right away do this kind of stuff. So I'm super excited to see how he grows moving forward. And for him to do all of that in just a second game with the Chiefs uh, has to be really exciting for any Chiefs fan.
2: If you you know my, my career and kind of know some of my background, I, I've been in Kansas City for like the last decade, but I, I grew up in New York. They have to be sick with what Tony has done so far in Kansas City. Just the idea of him fitting in right away, and you're already – I think you're getting a glimpse of him being a first-round talent. It didn't work out for any reason in, in New York, and it's a little bit unclear. I know there were, there was some off-the-field stuff, but he's just been such a, a blessing for the Chiefs. And, yeah, to to have someone come in less than 14 days ago and then to be facing a game where you're not going to have Juju Smith-Schuster and probably McCole Hardman and already MVS is sick, we think he'll be back. But to be facing that and, like, Not to feel, like, worried about that because of someone who showed up 14 days ago. I just think this speaks to the confidence the team has in him, the confidence in what we've seen thus far. And I I think on the other side of it, if you're you're looking for a negative with this whole situation, man, Juju was rolling. And this was a dirty play. And it just, I I think, stinks for him because he finally, I think, really clicked in as Mahomes' second option. Going back to that first point, the Chiefs are fortunate that they have Tony to kind of jump in there, I think.
1: Yeah, and I guess to end this debate or this, this topic is, to me, it is disgusting to see how a guy can adjust gloves in the middle of like the fa- – <laughs> like this is the fastest the NFL show has ever almost. been.
2: yeah. Showboating. And voting. it's
1: it's the way I looked at it and described it last night on air was that he's like a dog salivating for a treat. <laughs> like he's just like he knows it's coming. The drool is there and, and then scores his first career touchdown on one leg – I will say this, how much of a new face in a new place has gotten his game to where, like, maybe we're just scratching the ceiling?
4: Yeah, well, I think whenever you go somewhere new and you have an, a new opportunity, I think the energy is going to be there, and that seems to be the case with him. Yeah. He hasn't said anything bad about New York, and that's the way to handle it. But sure. the reality is you're in a new situation and make the most of it, and what an amazing situation it is where you have one of the greatest head coaches of all time, one of the greatest play callers of all time, and the best quarterback in the NFL. And what I think is great is Mahomes already has trust in him. That's obvious. Yeah. And it's it's surprising that you can already have trust in a guy that you basically just met. But he doesn't throw that football on that catch I was talking about. If he doesn't have faith, he's going to come down with it. And he threw it. And I think we're truly, like you said, only scratching the surface of what he's going to do because we're in week two of this going into week three, and we're already impressed with what we've seen.
2: And, and he, he understands, I think, how he has it here as opposed to New York and Matt's right I mean he's taken the high road in a sense when asked well what went wrong with the Giants he's you know he's just like I'm forward facing now I'm, I'm leaning into what's happening here but there was a question also do you feel like you're a fit here in two games after being in New York for a year plus and he just answered and kind of smiled and said yeah and I think that told you everything you need to to hear I, I think he understands that he feels New York misused him, and what the Giants lost is, is the Chiefs' gain, and it was so important timing-wise with all that has kind of happened for him to be here. I I think you'd be worried a bit more without Juju or Hardman going into this game had Tony not shown you what he's shown you these past couple weeks.
1: I think the whole trust thing was debunked as soon as he his first snap as a Kansas City Chief and Reed draws up or enemy draws up or whatever it was, and there was an immediate outpass to him. It was like, How's he going to be involved in the offense? We'll ease him in there. Play one, wide 80, looks to his right. Boom, it's hit right to 19.
2: One more quick point. I know you want to move on, but, like, you know how we have seen Mahomes and we saw him early on in his career, and you're like, man, this kid is a natural. Sure. That's what we're seeing right now at the wide receiver position with Tony, and kudos to Brett Veach for nabbing this player for what was a three and a six, and if you go by, like, the comp formula, it's probably more like a four and a seven. Right. And – And I I think it feels like they already won it. Very small sample size. He's got to continue, but so far, so good.
1: All right, moving on from receiver core to running back core. Matt, you and Peter both probably around the team more than anybody in the city. Um, It's a pass first, pass second, maybe pass third type of offense. How concerned are you with the running game? And, like, is there any concern to worry about at all whatsoever?
4: Well, I think if this was two weeks ago, it would be – okay to have some concerns about it because they didn't run the ball very well two weeks ago but i think they answered those concerns last week with what isaiah pacheco did and there's a few different ways we can talk about this but the first thing is pacheco looked good early on and then fumbled right and you're like oh no here we go with this but then the very next drive they went right to him which i love that and it gets back to what you were saying about how um, Mahomes found Tony on the first play of the Titans game. They don't want these guys thinking too much right. about bad things happening, right? Let's get right back to it. You're obviously really good. You're gifted. You're at this level. We trust you.
1: And that's kind of an Andy Reid cliche too, isn't it? Yeah, like, it totally is. Yeah. So
4: I like that they went right straight back to him. He ended up averaging over five yards per carry in that game, <laughs> had 82 rushing yards. He was really good, and um, I'm impressed with what we saw. It's also a good problem to have, I think, with what we have in the Chiefs backfield because you have multiple guys who can all make plays and that you can rely on. I think. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we didn't see a lot of Clyde in this past game, but we know what Clyde can do. And Clyde's had really good games this season. And don't forget, last time we saw the chargers, Clyde had the 52 yard run that basically iced the game. Yeah. So I think whoever's in there, they're going to count on. And, uh, and I think, again, it's a good problem to have where you've multiple guys who are talented and can make plays. I think Jarek McKinnon is having one of those sneaky seasons where he's one of the MVPs of this team. I think there's been so many big plays that he's made in big moments um, so, yeah, whoever's back there, uh, they're going to give the football to. And, and I have faith in moving forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, this this run game looked a lot better. And it, it, for me, and I think for me, in my opinion of this, I don't think fans, for the most part, feel this way because I think it, I think a lot of fans are sort of over Clyde and, and more leaning into the rookie in Pacheco and Pacheco. And he's looked good. He looked really good last game. But for me, it was uh, let's use either or for 10 to 15 carries. I think we had that conversation last week. Yeah. And look what happens when a a guy can get into rhythm. Like that was my question to Pacheco when they put him at the podium today. I know this seems like a dumb question is how I let up, but I was like, how are you feeling on carry nine or 10 as opposed to two or three? And he, he really let in or, you know, took that question and and said, you know, I feel a lot better. I I can get into a rhythm. And I, I don't think it's a question for me personally of is it Clyde or is it Isaiah? But it's like, For weeks and weeks, the team preached, we're going to ride the hot hand, and they weren't really doing it. This is the game where they let Pacheco have the first carry, which is the new energy. And when he was playing well after the fumble, they kept him in. And then Clyde had his opportunity. Two drops didn't go so well. It ended up being four snaps. And then they went back to what was the hot hand. Finally, after weeks of saying it, I think they did that. And I think that's why you saw success in the run game. And just like we've seen in recent years, when the run game can get going for the Chiefs, the pass game gets going, and the offense just looked a lot better as as a whole. So I think you got to feel better about the run game as a whole uh, coming out of this game. Dusty. And, and I'll
4: add, Pete, that yeah, this is an opportunity against the Chargers for the Chiefs to run the football yeah. really well. Um, the Chargers struggled against the run last year, and they brought in a lot of players and trying to get people in Staley's system to stop the run. Uh, and it hasn't worked this season. And, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, a ton of injuries along the defensive line. Lost a, uh, some more guys last week. But this has been the third worst rushing defense in the NFL in terms of rushing yards allowed per game. They're allowing 147 rushing yards per game. Uh, they've allowed at least 100 rushing yards in six of their last seven games. And this is a big one for me. They've allowed four rushes of 50 or more yards. Uh, this year, it's the most of any team. In the NFL, the average is one, and they've allowed four. So this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to run the football really well and to hopefully get some explosive runs as well.
2: And, and Brandon Staley, as Matt mentioned, this this could be the key game where the ownership says enough. Might not happen. Oh, you know, Sean Payton will be in attendance. And, might not happen till the end of the year. The Chiefs win this game. Not only is the division over for the Chargers, the, the playoffs because of how good the AFC has been. Oh yeah, it's just going to be a long shot for them, and so. I kind of want to go back
1: on the McKinnon MVP of the team thing. He's invited to, what was it, the bachelor party or some sort of, he was invited somewhere this offseason. Ba-
2: I believe it was the bachelor party of Mahomes, or that might right. have been last offseason. Maybe
1: it will be. But that's when you knew that he was coming back and he was a part of this core. You knew it then? When, I knew when that. he was at the basketball party, you get invited to that. That's, and you've only been on the team for Popping like bottles? seven days. Yeah. Sure. If you're ace of spading it with, with the, with the go to the league
2: and, and chances are you're on the roster. Kill a Trav as well. The exactly. Right.
1: The other thing too, is that it seems like anytime the team is in the middle of adversity, like the hit on Juju, um, the, the Raiders game, it was, I, I personally think he's the reason the team woke up. He had yeah. that big run play. And then he had the big hit on Diablo. Where he, I think he got fined later on in the week where he had the he he saw the blitz coming and he absolutely just a shredded Diablo who was sitting coming through the A-gap. So I like the McKinnon take that he's kind of that he doesn't do it like on the field as much as like people would like to see for like what they would consider an MVP. But I feel like he's the guy inside the huddle, inside the trenches that kind of gives everybody that like, hey, it's it's time. And people are like, okay, yeah, say what you want to say, but then he goes out there and executes. Yeah. And the other thing I will say is how much better do you think this Chiefs team is now than they were in week two on Thursday night against the, the uh, L.A.
4: Chargers? Well, the tag the McKinnon stuff – He's totally the sneaky MVP, right? Yeah, like Mahomes and Kelsey, like they're the MVPs of the team, but you're right. I actually pulled the Raiders game up here because that's the game I was thinking of when I first said that right when nothing was going right for the Chiefs in that game. He took just a simple carry and I think broke off 30 yards on that and broke like eight tackles and that got everything going for the Chiefs and they never looked back. There was also the play against the 49ers which it's easy with that game to look at it like a blowout because it ended up being one, but it wasn't for much of the game. It could have gone either way if some plays don't go well for the Chiefs. And it was, what, like a third and 17, I think, or third Mm -hmm. and 20, and he caught a quick screen, and it was perfectly blocked. He followed all his blocks um, perfectly and picked up the first down. The Chiefs ended up scoring on that drive and effectively put it away uh, later on in the game. But there's been numerous times this year where he's been so good and made such big plays. And, yeah, his pass protection is, like, hilariously good. Yeah. Like, for a guy his size especially, he's incredible in pass protection. So, um, he's been an awesome player. Uh, What's different about the team in week two versus now? Um, I'll take it a different way. I'll look at the defense Mm -hmm. uh, because think about some of the corners that were thrown into that game in week two. Like, Jalen Watson, for example, made a huge play in the game, right? One of the plays of the season. But at that point, those guys had hardly played at all. A lot of our young defenders in general had hardly played at all. Now over the course of the season, the Chiefs have had an opportunity to play Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams a whole lot, Trent McDuffie is back, George Karloftis, Leo Chanel. All these guys have played a lot now. Brian Cook fits into that category as well. And I think they're playing with a lot of confidence, and they're feeling really good, where it's not to say they weren't in week two, but it's still, this is your first home game ever, right? And I think the defense overall, especially these young defenders, are feeling really confident right now based on how they've played lately. Uh, And just because they hadn't played a whole lot in week two, it's hard to say that way back then.
1: Chiefs Insider Mac McMullen, Airhead Pride Chief Editor Pete Sweeney, Average Joe Dusty Likens.
2: Yeah, no, it's good that you're here with us. It balances balances us. I'm honored to be here, man.
1: <laughs> I'm just glad to be the, considered the third best looking guy in the room. Mm.
2: well wow. No, you know what? You, you, you can just hold your own. Easy, a
1: little bit. yeah. Easy. Come on, take it easy. All right. All right, Matt. You're gonna join us for the mailbag coming up, when we wrap this show up as Airhead Pride Radio Show here on Six Ten Sports Radio.
0: You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Back in on Arrowhead Pride Radio Show, 610 Sports Radio up till 7 o'clock, then it's after hours. Then we can start talking about parlays and and get crazy. That's
2: what I tend to do on Wednesdays. I love, I'll, I'll be honest. When I'm driving home from this yeah. particular show, how I, sporadic it is. Your opening segment is always must listen because I cannot predict what you're going to talk about. I have no clue. It it is always the most random possible thing. It's Like Warshak, baby. Yeah. No, it's it's great. Appointment radio, as far as as far as I'm Appointment concerned. Appointment
4: radio. Yeah. You know one thing. I don't know how you guys do it. Is whenever you have to just like monologue for an hour. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that.
1: A lot of commercial breaks. Yeah, that's fair. And you have a good producer like Grant Nicholson. You can be like, "Hey, throw in a thirty-second promo real quick," and I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> figure something out.
2: Sound is good. Yep. You call up someone to jump on the phone line like a PC. the Matt McMullen of L.A. If that exists, is there a, is there a you? I'm that, in, sure there's lots of me everywhere in Chargers. Yeah, yeah you're just no, a clone. The, the Chargers yeah. have a couple of
4: me's. Oh. They do different things. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to the
2: future, Pete.
1: I know.
4: Clone. All right.
1: (laughs) Well, we do this every week, Matt. This (laughs) is the... uh, LA Chargers, Matt. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get Matt McMullen, too, on the show. We do this every week. It's the mailbag here on Arrowhead Pride. Um, I don't know if my computer's on or not. Maybe we'll try this again.
0: Every week, send us your questions on Twitter, at Arrowhead Pride, and at 610 Sports KC. Now it's time for the mail.
1: Time for the mail here on Arrowhead Pride radio show. Pete Sweeney. Matt McMullen, I get to kind of do like a popcorn reading. You remember that from school? Anybody yeah. else do that? Yeah, any? yeah. I always fell asleep and got so much trouble. Mm. Um, so I'll ask each a question of what Twitter has asked on the Arrowhead Pride uh, Twitter sphere. Matt, I'll start with you. Um, this, I'm trying to figure, this is from JC Proctor at. I, I can't read that. Don't Anyways, even try. I, I'm one. trying to say, oh yeah, just JC Proctor on Twitter. It says justin reed has been relatively quote quiet in quote how would you rate his play so far
4: well i think it's normally a good thing if you're not hearing a defensive player's name a ton especially a player in the secondary Uh, i think justin reed's been a really solid player for the chiefs this year and it's not just his play it's also his leadership which i know sounds cliche but i think back to training camp when he was the guy that was teaching all these young dbs how to be a pro and I think he is a big reason why so many young players in this defense are finding ways to find success this year. So I think Justin Reed, the complete package has been awesome for the Chiefs this
2: year. Okay, Pete. Yeah. What do they do with Clyde Edwards layer and <laughs> Sky Moore? Well, Sky Moore is here for the long haul. I think when Tony came on the team and Matt was talking about it earlier where you have seven active receivers when these guys are healthy, someone's gotta be the odd man out. And I think this year has kind of morphed into a red shirt year for Sky Moore which is not necessarily a bad thing. Patrick Mahomes had a red shirt year. Let's remember that. Not exactly the same situation, but there'll be a lot more opportunity when you have contracts coming up. We don't know what's going to happen with Juju. We don't know what's going to happen with Cole Hardman. And so for me, let's be patient with Sky. Now, Clyde after this year, could it be a conditional day three pick situation? I can't see them necessarily picking up that 50-year option just because they do have someone under a lot more years of control who they like in Pacheco. And I I think this team learned that you have really good running backs on day three of the draft. We saw what James Robinson, who went to Jacksonville, is now in New York, can do. And he was an undrafted free agent. So I don't know if they ever spend that much high draft capital, but we'll see on Clyde. Obviously, Pacheco and Moore are here for, for the next couple of years are on their rookie deals these guys that are at the end you got to make tough decisions on and i just tend to think and this is my opinion only you know no necessarily insight from the organization but i just it's hard for me to see hardman and ceh being here much longer than if next year or if they're even here next year trust
1: and beach is all you can do uh we'll toss this one up either one of you can answer. you can kind of throw back and forth uh from jeff marino he says, we really need to sign you to a multi-year deal. What are the odds of this happening?
2: I just think it, it depends on his production. You know, I think he can be so productive that it prices him himself out. You've entered a situation now here where he might miss a couple games and might not be able to hit what could have been 13 1,400 yards. It might be another, you know, eight, 900-yard year for him, which may give you a aff- more affordable deal. You know, not obviously that you're ever rooting for injuries, but this has changed the game a little bit. we got to see how soon he gets back, but – What I do know is before he got injured, and Matt, you can speak to this, he had such a rapport with Patrick Mahomes. It was such a clear target and reliable target after Travis Kelsey. I think if they can work something out where the value meets the value that the organization has in him, I think Chiefs fans would love to have him back, and I think the organization would love to have him back.
4: Yeah, and he was asked about this uh, in a presser just like last week. right? He was asked, would you want to be here long term? And he said, absolutely. I love it here. So. Leave it up to Brett Veach to, to figure all this stuff out. But in terms of the the fit, uh, he's been an awesome fit here, and, and it seems like him and Patrick Mahomes certainly have a chemistry, and he likes it a lot here. So uh, those are all good things for Juju Smith-Schuster. Get well, Juju. That's the main thing right
1: now. Yeah, just get your mind right, get healthy, and get back into the field and be ready to go for the playoffs. Matt Mullen, thanks for coming in tonight for the uh, Aero Pride show tonight. Appreciate you yeah. jumping on the mic. Pete, as always. Um, Fun show. Yeah, always. I mean, why wouldn't it be?
2: Yeah. I mean, you're wearing that sweater the whole time, man. Right? It's a thermal.
4: And, and let me sweater. say, my radio debut would to do with you 2 I couldn't have asked for anything better. It's mean, <laughs> oh, been great.
1: So. We like to hear that. It's over already, huh? Yeah. That's so what you try to do. All right. Well, that'll yeah. wrap it up this week on Airhead Pride. Check out the podcast, uh, download it, check it out every single week. Pete Sweeney, Matt McMullen, Dusty Likens. we come back. We'll start after hours here on 610 Sports Radio.